Good morning, River Ridge Church. How are we doing today? I am glad you are here. I like seeing you. That's good. I'm glad you're here. If you're a guest with us or this is the first time you're visiting with us, my name is Blair and I'm one of the pastors here, so I'm glad that you've got here this morning. I want to let you in on a kind of a little secret. Um, it's a running joke that goes on here amongst the staff that uh, I only get to speak up here on the extra low attended Sundays. So it's funny, but it's also a little hurtful at the same time. But I'm excited this morning in particular. So Tim just told us that um, we're getting ready to have our Christmas Eve services over in the new auditorium. So we're going to go through those doors and we're going to be over there for, our, for the new auditorium. And that's exciting for a lot of reasons. But I'm excited about it this morning because you know what that means? Is that I get the last message in this auditorium. So I look at the schedule planners and I say, boom, take that. Because you know in any good argument, what you want is the last word. And I got it. Ha, ha, ha. And on that note, we should probably pray. God, I thank you that you love us and that you are good. I thank you that you allow us into a relationship with you at all. And it's sweet that we get to celebrate Christmas and what it means. And so, God, as we slow our heads down, as we try to concentrate our hearts down, and we think about what Christmas is about, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to do that amongst our family. Uh, God, I pray for this time. I pray that we would hear your message that's in your word come to life the way you want it to. Amen. So speaking of words, um, not necessarily the last word, but of words in general, uh, our current series that we've entitled Simple Christmas, we've been looking at four words. And I don't know if you knew this already, but these four words are the four words of Advent. I don't know, how many people celebrate Advent? How many people for the first time this year celebrate Advent? Yeah, uh, I, to be completely honest, this is the first time I have ever celebrated Advent to be a part of it. And so um, I, just to let you in on, if you're new like me or you're un, inf, unfamiliar with what Advent is, let me tell you a couple of things that I've, I've found out already. One, the word Advent just means coming. All right, so it's the celebration of the coming of Jesus. Uh, the celebrating, that time of the year where we stop and we slow down and we spend some time thinking about what the birth of Jesus meant. And the Advent season actually starts four weeks before Christmas Day. And so it's four weeks leading up to, to Christmas. Um, but it's kind of a, and so during in this, this season that we have, these four weeks, it's kind of a waiting period, Right. And we're kind of waiting for it to happen. And it's not like the waiting that you do in a doctor's office while you're sitting out in the waiting room waiting for work to get in. It's, it's a little different. It's kind of like an expecting, exciting kind of waiting for the arrival. My kids get this way, actually, when uh, Grammy is coming for a visit and she's going to come stay with us. Um, I don't know if you, you've experienced this, but for us, we sometimes have to hold off when we tell them when Grammy's going to come. Because if we tell them too early, 
then the next however so long is going to feel like, is this the day the Grammy comes? Is this it? Is this here? Are we there? Is Grammy coming today? Are we here? And it'll be nonstop of that. And they'll be like, all right. So then they'll, they'll kick in and they'll get their countdown going. And they'll be like, seven more days till Grammy gets here. And hopefully they got that right. Because when I have to go in and say, hey, it's actually eight days, not seven days. Oh, my. They completely lose it. It's not fair. You said it was going to be on this day. And I'm like, it is that day. You just can't count. That's how far away it is. So we're excited, and we're finally here. It's the day that Grammy gets here, and they, everybody should be waking up celebrating that Grammy's coming today, except it's 6 a.m., and Grammy doesn't come until 6 p.m., and so 12 hours of, is this the minute that Grammy gets here? Is she here? Is Grammy here? Is it, is it time? Is she walking through the doors? No, she's not here. Do you see her? She's not right there. How many minutes until Grammy gets here? Six hours. Six hours? That's not fair. Why doesn't she come now? I don't know. She's coming at six. Whatever. Uh, But then it starts getting close, and they get all the way to the place where now they're opening the doors, looking out the windows, trying to see, is Grammy outside? Is she here? Is she here? Then finally Grammy arrives, and they're sitting on the couch staring at their iPad. They don't even acknowledge that she's there. The Advent season is kind of a reminder for us of something that we didn't actually ever go through. See, there was this period of time when it was announced to God's people that a Savior was coming. And this period of waiting, this time that they they were getting ready to have, that we didn't actually get to experience. But it's an opportunity for us to think through of what that is. And just like... Um, When Grammy comes to the house, it usually comes with presents in hand. Jesus came with presents in hand as well. And four of those are wrapped up in the words that we're talking about during this series. Hope, peace, joy, and love. I was telling my home group the other night uh, on on Wednesday about how my family had grabbed one of the the Advent bags that the family ministry had put out. I don't know if if you've done these or whatever. But I was sharing with them all the different stuff that we're trying to do with it. We're trying to get these cards out, and we're trying to read what they say, and we're trying to light the candle and pray and do all the things that go along with it. The emphasis there on the word trying especially, um, it has been quite a difficult experience for my son Jonah. He's five years old. He does not like the fact that you only get to light one candle a week. That's been miserable to him. So I was telling my home group about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with every single night. They want to light the other candle. They can't wait for the, 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 the candle. They're lighting the wrong candle. We're lighting peace when we should be lighting hope. Everything is losing it. And I said, all right, so here's what we'll do next year. What we're going to do is we're going get, to get them 28 candles. That way every night they get to light a new candle. So we haven't been able to hold our kids off for it. But if you're doing it correctly... Then this is week three, so you get to light the joy candle. So, excited for there. My buddy Jonah, doesn't matter. Um, But tonight's candle, or today's candle, represents joy. And that's where we're at. The last two weeks, Andy has kind of been opening up for us the first two weeks. We looked at hope and we looked at peace. And he was kind of diving into these to help us get a better understanding or a fresh look at what these words mean, at least from a 
biblical standpoint of what we are trying to gain there. And so if you missed it or you didn't hear or you want to hear it again, hey, you can go listen to them or watch them at any point on our River Ridge Church app or on the website. Go back there and catch up with those, and you'll get, get to find out what was there about hope and peace. You won't, you won't, be, uh, you won't regret it for sure. Um, but this week, we're going to talk about joy. And so this week, we're looking at how Jesus came to give simple joy. I feel like always the best place with, uh, with any kind of word thing is to kind of figure out what it is. What is joy? What's the definition of joy? And I was kind of thinking about this a little bit, and it's weird because with the definition of joy, we generally end up start trying to describe it by what it isn't, right? Like, all right, so we know joy is something. It's, it's, it's like happiness, but it's not happiness. That's not what joy is. It's something different than happiness. And we know it's, it's, it's not really an emotion per se. It's not a feeling. It's, it's, it's not that. And I don't find it necessarily in, it, it, can't, be, it can't be in the ups and downs. It's not, it's not when, I'm, when, when things are up then I have joy, and when things are down, I lose joy. It doesn't work like that. It's a little different. It's not in the circumstances of my day. If things are going well, then I have joy, and if they're not, then I don't have joy. It's not in that. I mean, I can tell for sure that it's not in that guy over there that complains about everything all day long, all the time. He is definitely not a joyful guy. But it's also not necessarily in that person that's giddy and pretending and this bubbly, happy person, that doesn't necessarily mean joy either. That could just be a pretending kind of a fakeness there that's there too. So I was trying to nail down something to at least get us started on a starting point as we look through what joy is. And so I kind of nailed down on this for a second here. So joy, it means you have strength from God to face anything. It, 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 It means that you know that you're blessed in all situations. Like, no matter what the circumstances are there, I know that I have the blessings of God. I know that they're still there. It means you're a little less stressed or anxious over these things because you know that God's love is there and it's real too. See, joy, what we're talking about today, joy, it it doesn't come from what you have. It comes from what you know that you can't get taken away from you. That's where joy comes from. So kind of thinking of of, of some examples, I was thinking, you know, they, they, whoever they is, they, they can take our job, but they can't take God's purpose for our life. uh, they, They could take this relationship away from me, but they can't take God's love away from me. Uh, they, could, they could take my health, but they can't take God's grace away from me. Shoot, they can even take my life, but they can't take the promise of God's eternal life away from me. So joy is there no matter what. And this morning I was thinking, what better place to look at joy than to kind of look at it from the place where it enters back into the world again? And so this morning, we haven't got a chance yet um, over this series to look at the Christmas story, but this morning we're going to do that. We're going we're to check out the Christmas story. Can't go through a Christmas season without actually looking at the Christmas story. So this morning we're going to look at that. But we're going to look at it from a kind of a different perspective. We're going to look at it from the perspective of the shepherds that are in the story. Their story tells us actually a lot about joy. It helps to shape that and define it for us a little bit. 
So if you brought your Bibles and you want to follow along with us, we're going to be in Luke 2 this morning. We're going to start in verse 8. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up here on the screens. You're welcome to look at it here. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we've got all kinds. We'd love for you to take home. They're just out inside in the lobby there. Grab one. We'd love for you to have it. Mark it up. Read it. Find out about it. Take as many as you want. Uh, well, maybe one per person. Maybe don't take 17. Share them. Share them. But they're out there. Grab what you want. All right. I already said it. You can have as many as you want, apparently. Um, so, but the first thing we learn when we grab in here to Luke 2 um, is that joy is here, and it's for everyone. Check this out in, in Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I think it was really interesting, and, and the reason I wanted to look at it from the shepherd's point of view is that it's, it's kind of bizarre when you really think about it. It's so interesting. Of all the people to choose, God chooses to show up and reveal himself to shepherds. And you might be asking, why is that so weird or whatever? Well, glad you asked. Um, understand that shepherds in first century culture were ceremonially unclean. Meaning where they lived with the animals and spent their time with the animals meant they were around animals that died. It means they were around the stuff that animals drop everywhere they go. Um, So always they were unclean and made them excluded from temple worship. They weren't allowed in the temple because of this. Uh, there were rituals that they could do if they, if, if they could. They, there were rituals to make them clean that they'd have to go and be a part of, and there was a process that they could do to go be in the temple. But they, they would have to leave their sheep if they were going to do that, and a shepherd would never leave a sheep. So that couldn't do it. They couldn't happen. That wasn't there. So at this point in time, worship was associated with the temple. Therefore, if you couldn't go into the temple, you couldn't really worship God. So the shepherds lived in this really spiritual dilemma that they were in at that point. And you see how they were looked down upon by the culture as well, right? Always unclean, never worshiping in the temple, cut off from the presence of God. They were a group of people always on the outside looking in. Even their appearance, though, not even just looking at them from a spiritual standpoint, even their appearance was kind of rough and off, right? I told you they live out there with the sheep. They don't go back to the house and get clean. They stay out there and sleep with the sheep. So they're there laying on the sheep, cuddling up, keeping them warm kind of thing. They're out here in the open air. So they were uh, rough-looking and rough-smelling for sure at the same time. But you can see why culture considered shepherds kind of not worthy. They're not worthy of God in a lot of ways. But what's so great about the Christmas story is although culture considered them unworthy, God chose these particular people to be the ones to reveal that his son was in the world at that point. See, God didn't choose the elite to reveal it to. He chose the shepherds. That's a beautiful picture because it shows us that no one is too far from God. And I think many people consider themselves that way. They they consider themselves not worth God's time. I've done too much. I'm too far away from him at this point. They look at themselves like I'm sure that the shepherds looked at themselves. I'm not fit for God. All the wrong things that I've done in my life has made it impossible for God to want me. 
a belief that I've gone too far, I've done too much, it's too late, there's no hope. God wants nothing to do with me. And what's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful about the Christmas story is that it's entirely not true. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world. This joy goes out to all, not only to the Jew or God's people that were special. It doesn't go out to the elite. It doesn't go out to the rich. It doesn't go out to the special. It goes out to the world, but to the world. This Christmas song, Joy to the World, is really close to what John said in his account. Check this out. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The world, God so loved the world, and that whoever believes. I think some of us kind of look at this and maybe think, eh, it's kind of a broad stroke. It's not specifically for me. Maybe we we think, God couldn't love me enough. That we almost think maybe God was a little naive here when he picked the shepherds. He didn't really know how bad the shepherds were. But I don't think that makes sense, right? God wasn't naive. He knew exactly who the shepherds were, and he knows exactly who we are. Look at this, of the way he says it in Romans here. But God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. To translate that a little bit better, while we were still sinners, is it's more like, while you were still in the act of sinning, Christ died for you. See, God initiated the rescue plan in the time that we needed it most. And that's good news. This is the joy that's exploding on the scene right here for the shepherds. What makes us acceptable, God, is is not our behavior, not the things that we've done, but it's accepting the forgiveness that's been offered through Jesus. The angel showing up to the shepherds is proof that no one is too far away from God. No one has traveled too far. No one has done too much. No one is beyond the realm of God's great joy. The first point is is that joy is here and it's for everyone. Second is that joy is sent. It's not something that you spend your life kind of like trying to discover. It's it's something that God sends in your life. Look 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 at the shepherds here again. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So joy is here, you said. It's it's here, um, and it's for everyone, but how do I find it? How does it come into my life? There's a lot of different strategies that that we use to to try to find joy. Some people try to work harder to get it, right? If I just work hard enough, think hard enough, do more stuff here, if I somehow just work myself, I think I can grab hold of joy. I think then I could probably be a joyful person. But if that was the case, I would think that the truly most joyful people would be workaholics, right? But that doesn't seem like that's the case most of the time. So it's not a matter of me working harder to discover it. Uh, Some people think that maybe 
uh, being joyful is just to ignore all the bad things that are in the world, right? Like if I just don't act like it's there, I can remain joyful. Those people aren't really joyful, though. They're kind of, uh, what do you say, maybe blissfully unaware or something. They're happy, maybe, but not joyful. But they could just be pretending. So it's not a matter uh, of me not being aware. In fact, joy is more like recognizing the realities of life and still knowing that God is here. There are other people who think probably that joy is in some kind of lucky circumstance, right? If I win the lottery, then I'm going to be a joyful person. But if you look at the studies and look over the people who have won the lottery the last bunch of times, there's not really joyful people there necessarily, at least very few. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd like that test. I'd like to see if I could still be joyful afterwards just to give that a try. But when you look at this kind of circumstance, is that what joy is all about? This one in a million chance that somehow I'm going to get it and I'm going to experience joy. Reminds me of uh, uh, like the Oprah or the Ellen show. You know, like if you go to the Oprah show, she used to give away these stuff all the time. Like, um, look under your chair, you've got this. And sometimes it would be really awesome stuff, you know. And so you think, well, here's what I'm going to do. That, that would be really helpful if I did this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to go, and we're going to give this a try. Do you have to wait for something like this to happen to give a genuine joy? Then you're, you're kind of guessing, right? So I'm in Chicago, and I can either go to the show on Tuesday or Wednesday. Which day am I going to pick? Which day is it going to be? I, I feel good about Tuesday. Let's go Tuesday. So we go Tuesday, and she says, look under your chair. Everybody gets hand soap. And you're sort of excited. But for some reason, the people still cheer, Yay! Hand soap for a year! But then you find out when you got home, on Wednesday, she gave everyone a million dollars. Oh my goodness, it was your chance and you blew it. You picked the wrong day to go there. Is that where we find joy, this one in a million chance? I, I hope not, right? And I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us either. We see that God wants to bring joy into every one of our lives. And so he sends it into every one of our lives. It's not found. You don't have to go discover it kind of like a lost city that's missing, that it's there. I just got to go find it wherever it's at. It's sent right to us. You could actually spend the rest of your life really trying to find what God has already sent and completely miss it as a result of it. You could look so hard, work so hard to find what God's already given and then you'd completely miss it. Joy is not created within by working hard. Joy is sent from above. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. I became kind of pretty intrigued here about what the difference between good news and great joy was. And then it kind of found, I found it. Um, Good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal. So like this, you're like, uh, so that you, you come up to me and you tell me, hey, that thing just happened to me, actually. Just last week, I actually won a million dollars. And I'd be like, that's good news. But if I get home and in my mailbox, there's a letter that says, I'd won a million dollars, that's great joy, right? Personal experience. And so good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal for me. Christmas is personal. 
Jesus came for you. He came for you. He came to let you know, I love you. I have a plan for your life. I have a future for your life. I I have a no matter what love for your life. Christmas is personal. And when you recognize that Jesus came not just only for the world, but that he came for me and that's personal, good news becomes great joy in a real big hurry. The joy gets sent into your life as a result of that. Joy is here and it's for everyone. Joy is sent and it's personal. Third, joy is shared. I want you to notice what these shepherds did when they went went and saw the child, when they followed through with what the angels told them to do. Look here in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered. Sorry, I can't speak. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Look down to verse 20 there. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So you've got to understand how remarkable this is. The shepherds started telling everyone what happened. These guys aren't used to talking to anyone, first of all. And they're definitely not used to talking about spiritual things and about God. Here, these guys have no problem telling everyone that they come across in Bethlehem about the story that they had just done, about what the angels had told them, about what they had just saw in the Messiah. The story says all were astonished hearing the story. Shepherds don't have encounters with God, remember. They're they're unclean. Shepherds aren't known for their spirituality. Yet here they are talking about God and the Messiah. Yes, everyone was pretty astonished about this. The shepherds glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen. Here they are worshiping God and they're not in the temple. They may not have been acceptable in the temple, but they knew for sure that they were acceptable to God at that point. And they were never the same because of it. This joy, it, it changed them. We've, had all, we've all probably had experiences that have changed us at some point or another. You know, like when you get married, you go from being single to being married, and life changes completely at that point. A really drastic change happens. Or when you have kids... Things completely change, and they change completely. No longer are, am I Blair, now I'm Daddy. It's a whole new identity that I've been changed as a result of it, and things change. It can happen with trauma, you know, physical or emotional trauma. It can really change us after that. A few years ago, I was living in, in Huntington, and uh, I needed gas, so I stopped at the gas station that was closest to me. And when I started getting out, I got out, got the pump going, put it in the car, and realized something's just weird about this pump. And I couldn't figure out what it was at first. And then all of a sudden, I noticed where it was. It was the, the dollars thing was going super, super slow, and I was so frustrated. There's not a lot of things, for whatever reason, that bother me more than a slow gas pump. It's like those 27 seconds of my life, I will never, ever get back, you know? And so... With all my joy that I'm experiencing here, I'm start, I, I keep pumping the gas. But something was weird because I looked down and the gallons were still moving just at the normal pace that they always do. And then a couple seconds later and the pump clicked off like the, the tank was full. And I'm like, what, what is going on here? And then, it, and then I saw what, was, what, what had happened. The decimal point got moved. So... 
Uh, so if you get this picture, this was summer 2008, okay? So this is when gas was pushing $4 a gallon. So instead of paying $3.80 a gallon, I was paying $0.38 cents a gallon. Now that's great joy right there, right? And when you have great joy, you want to tell people about it. So all the stuff were running through my head, and I was excited. The first thing I was doing was getting on the phone. I was figuring out where Carol was because I was coming to get her car to bring it back and get some good gas, right? I had found the secret pump at the one stop. You got to get there. You got to get in a hurry. So I was ready to tell everybody good news. I was going to call all my friends, let them know that they could come be a part of that and come see the magic of the pump. But before I could get in my car, guilt. I was like, i got to go tell the cashier. So I went in very sheepishly to tell her. I was like, hey, there's a problem with your pump. And I knew the moment I say it, it's going to ruin it. And nobody is going to get to experience the magical pump. And she said, yeah, they've been going slow all day. Oh, so you know it? Okay, good. Well, then I don't have to tell you anymore. Walk on out of calling Carol. Where's your car? Uh, but I, I couldn't do it, so I came back. like, no, no, no. The, the pumps are actually pumping just fine. It's your cost thing. It's, it's messed up. She responds back. She says, yeah, they've, they've been going slow. I think it's because it's cold outside. Like, it's summer, 2008, you know? All right, one more time. I'm, I'm honestly, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one more time. You are giving away gas for 38 cents a gallon. And just so you know it, I'm ready to go get my car my other car, and then I'm going to start telling all my friends so that they can come back and be a part of it. She said, okay, that's, that's great, but could you make sure they know the pumps are slow? <laughs> all right, here it comes. I didn't actually follow through with my bluff on that one. But I was driving by about 15 minutes later, and I saw the girl out there on her phone looking very, very frantic with out-of-order signs on all the pumps. She finally, finally got it. It got through. So she was out there. But I was excited because I was getting ready to tell some other people good news that was about to become great joy for them, right? Because at this point, that gas was miserable. But back to the Bible and looking at the shepherds. The shepherds went and told. See, joy was sent to them, so they shared it with others. Notice how the people responded, though. They didn't ridicule them. They weren't bored. They were astonished because the world needs good news, and people want good news. So I just want to say this. For those of us that have experienced Christ in our lives, who have experienced this joy... This is a secret that's okay to let out there and let people know about because they want to hear that good news as well. This is a great time to invite someone. Christmas Eve services that we'll have next week. It's a great time to invite them because we're kind of asking those questions right now. We're asking those questions about, is this the best that life has to offer? Is this this what I got to look forward to, the craziness and busyness of buying gifts and running from place to place and being here and doing this and doing that? Is this the best that there is in joy here? And help them find some answers with that. Don't keep them from that good news. Don't keep them from that joy. One of the principles about joy is, is that you can't bottle it up. 
See, if you do, if you bottle up joy, it turns sour. The only way for joy to really do what it's supposed to do is that you've got to pop the cap off and let it flow because then people start to enjoy it as well, and they get joy, and it starts flowing again in their lives. Fourth point that we see about joy is that for some of us, it, it doesn't seem quite as easy as you're making it out to be. It doesn't seem like it just comes there. And that we find that joy is actually found in the journey. It's not there on that push button. It doesn't happen just overnight. See, if you were here during the Dangerous Prayer series, we had a prayer that we entitled, Change Me. And so that took a little bit more. And so the concept was is that change doesn't happen overnight, and neither sometimes does joy in our life. It's a process that God can maybe take us through. The idea here is that we first need to recognize that it's a process. It's not this instant button push. Sometimes it actually happens after walking through the worst thing in your life you've ever experienced and looking around and see that God's still walking right there with you. Sometimes it's actually when we realize that we've been pouring our energy to find joy in this thing and it's not living up to it, and I'm looking for something else. For some of us, that, that's, that's kind of scary, though, right? Because our joy is wrapped up in something else. We've been building our whole life around this idea that if I do this enough, like if I spend my time finishing up this college degree, and on the other side of it, once I work hard enough and get through this, on the other side of it, I'm going to find joy. Or for some of us, it's, it's in our career, it's in our jobs. If I spend enough work and I do enough work, and if I get this career just one more step on the other side of this promotion, that's where joy's going to be. Some of us, it's, it's in our marriage. We're expecting our marriage to fulfill the joy that's there, or in our family, or whatever it is. We're looking to build into this so that we can have joy, but it's not coming and it's not happening. So you keep trying a little bit more and a little bit more, and you keep putting into it, putting into it. But Jesus says, hold on, hold on here. Listen, I want you to have a great marriage. I want your family to be wonderful. I want you to even have a good career. But that's not where joy is going to be found. That's not where lasting joy is going to be found. You can only find it in your relationship with me. I designed it that way. That's how I made it to be. And for many of us, this is kind of a scary moment. It's a scary moment. I don't really know any other way to, to, to kind of think of it, but I get this picture of hanging off a cliff, right? And there's this branch that's here. It's hanging out. And you've got the classic picture, right, of you're hanging on the bridge. Or, or on the branch, I'm sorry, on the branch. You're hanging on the branch, and you're holding on to whatever it is that you think is going to give you life and give you joy. And you're putting everything you got into it. And whatever it is, you're, you're expecting it to eventually get there. And whether it's family or, or um, a career or intelligence or reputation or whatever it is that I'm putting all my hands into. Then here comes Jesus. and He comes along and he says, hey, grab hold of this rope. I've got something else for you. I've got something different, but you're going to have to grab onto it. I want to give you joy, but you're going to have to grab onto what the, I've got here for you. And you've got to let go with at least one hand, if you're going to be able to grab hold of this. And that's a scary moment. If you're hanging on with all your life to something, thinking it's going to give me joy, then that's where this moment of knowing I've got to let go so that I can grab on to the only what he can do in my life. 
But when you face that fear, when you actually let go, when you let go of this other thing that you've been pouring into your time, I really believe that you're going to get this sudden experience of a full rush of joy like you've never, like you've never felt before. See, John 10.10, 10, John tells us that Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So my question is, what's your branch? What is it that you are holding on to with dear life, hoping that it's going to give you joy? We almost become gamblers in a sense, and we keep pulling on the lever, keep pulling on the lever, hoping that at the end of this, one more time, and this thing will give me joy. If I keep pouring into it, if I keep doing one more, one more step in this career, and then I'm going to actually experience career, uh, joy. But at the end of it, all of a sudden, you, at the end of it, you, you maybe see a little something. But just one more deal of the hand, and maybe I'll get this joy. But the truth of the matter is that it never happens. It's never meant to give you the joy. These other things that we have in our lives. You're meant to get joy from your relationship with him. And that's why God sent Jesus into the world. So you could grab hold of the real rope that has real life attached to it. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. It's been said that Jesus was born in the shadow of, his, of the cross. Meaning that when Jesus came and he, he was born to die. Before he went to the cross, he started talking to his disciples about what this life was going to be like and what they were going to need to do. And so in John 15, he starts telling them a little bit about what this is like and that the only way that they're going to be able to do this life and do this joy is if they build into their relationship and remain in him. And he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And right before he's going up to the cross in John 16, he says, you're going to have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus was encouraging his disciples at that point and challenging them to experience this life. And he's encouraging his followers today just the exact same way. I have a complete joy that you can know, you just got to let go of the other things that you're pouring it into and grab hold of this, and you'll get it. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your goodness and grace, and I thank you that you send joy. And it's not something that we can go and discover, and that we can't work hard enough to get there because we've kind of failed at that lots of other times. But that you went ahead and you just sent it. And you sent it in the Christmas story that we get to learn about today or to think about today of what that means of Jesus coming into the world. God, I thank you that you offer that joy to everyone. And so I pray that as I think on that myself or as others think about that, they recognize whether they've ever grabbed hold of it the first time. So, God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that we have your word. We can open it up and find more about you all the time. Help us to have that itch to keep going further to find out more about what you're talking about with yourself. Thanks for loving us, God. Thank you for what the Christmas season means. And amen.